Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development. And today I'm joined by Paul Nicholson, who is QIC's Director of Global Absolute Return and Income Funds, who is going to bring us up to speed on a different corner of the markets in emerging debt. There's a common saying, you can't fight the Fed. And in this new fiscal decade, we have seen an influx of US $6 trillion into the G20 central bank balance sheets in just over four months. What we're now seeing is a ripple effect that has swept through to the emerging markets and their debt markets and the tightening and spreads in this realm. Paul, can we please start by getting you to take us up to the beginning of COVID-19 when the markets underwent their biggest and fastest ever drop in March? And then what happened to the emerging market sovereign spreads during this time? Thanks, Craig. Um, great to be here. Yes, yeah, since since the beginning of the COVID-19 crisis, the EM sovereign spreads have widened quite substantially. You know, we came from 285 basis points back in February, and the wides we saw were around 700, so a massive sell-off. Um, just to give you an idea, in percentage terms of a, of a nominal value, that's down around about around about 15 to 20 percent, depending on how you look at it. So the opportunity set that COVID crisis that the COVID crisis provided to investors was very, very large. Now, since then, obviously, like you said, with this huge onslaught of fiscal and monetary stimulus globally, be it developed markets or in emerging markets, we've actually seen very strong rally. And we're actually back to current levels of around 410 basis points, uh, just as an update as of the end of August. And, and as you know, there are two different kinds of emerging market debt. There are multiple kinds, but the main buckets are hard currency and local currency. Hard currency tends to come in the form of US dollars or less so in, in euros. And of course, then there's local currency emerging market bonds, which come in the form of the local currency of each of the individual uh, countries. Now, the biggest attraction here is that long-term fundamental growth of the emerging market story. Um, we know that that's been played over for, for many times, but even with that long-term secular attraction of emerging markets, these assets tend to get sold very heavily. So we saw huge outflows during the COVID crisis. We saw a huge cheapening. To give you an example, uh, over $100 billion moved out of emerging market bond funds alone in the U.S. Uh, during the COVID crisis. And they're still year on year down. We're down around about $30 billion, but we're recovering quite substantially since then. And Paul, just quickly, you mentioned then that we're at 410 at the moment. But with all that fiscal and monetary stimulus you mentioned earlier, are you not surprised that the compression, the spread has not uh, been larger? It's a good question. Um, it has... Uh, underperformed from a spread point of view uh, versus developed market credit. But of course, uh, one needs to bear in mind that emerging market debt has had to confront the pandemic at a different time, a different pace versus, you know, somewhere like Europe or, or the US. It, it tend to come after that. And it tends to, you know, from a fundamental point of view, have um, be more susceptible to the pandemic versus the developed market. So there is a number of issues which are keeping emerging markets relatively cheap, but we have, we're definitely seeing signals uh, such as the uh, PMIs, manufacturing PMIs in particular, that are starting to see green shoots of growth in emerging markets versus DM. 
And uh, this is what we would expect. And we expect that growth trajectory to to start outpacing the developed markets going forward. Yeah, excellent stuff. This market is also primarily dominated by sovereign issuers in hard currency, like you mentioned before, predominantly the US dollar. Uh, but as you've just described, recently we've seen some local currency um, opportunities steal some of the, the spotlight. Can you give us an example of where there's been an opportunity in the local currency space you've observed? Yeah, it's a, a great example of that is really, it's got to be China. You know, if you look at the local currency corporate bond market uh, and its development over the last 10 years has been phenomenal. Uh, the uh, corporate bond market has evolved in a very sizable, diverse, high quality investable universe that's buoyed by these very strong fundamentals, you know, uh, that, that China produces. In, in overall, you know, those increased allocations, DM debt, are, are not going to go away. I, I think the positive dynamics of emerging market debt uh, today certainly outweigh the investment case for developed markets debts, particularly if we look at the yields that we can get in relative construct. You know, the 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 rebound that we've had is going to be outpacing the developed markets rebound. An example is, you know, China in the last 15 years has grown from the world's fifth largest economy, as measured by GDP, to the second largest. Those fundamental drivers are going to continue uh, and China is going to be one of the major um, beneficiaries of that. So we talked earlier about how COVID has been one of the factors that has opened the door for the emerging debt space. What other drivers are cementing it as an opportunity in your mind, Paul, for an institutional investor? So Craig, what, what's important to to for listeners to remember is that emerging markets the hard currency allocation is the largest. That tends to be where most investors favor. It's due to uh, having uh, US dollars as the uh, notional uh, debt value and less or so in euros. Now, that fiscal and monetary support globally, particularly in places from the ECB and the Federal Reserve, has underpinned that provision. So this huge liquidity provisions from the central banks, it will continue to support EM hard currency bonds, very much so, because that low risk-free rates in the developed world will continue to make the attraction of uh, EM spreads uh, even more attractive. Now, that then takes us on to another point, which is suppressing the volatility. The low interest rate world and the yield curve control that we see here, for example, in Australia, uh, basically means volatility is being tried to be taken out of that by the central banks. That's another very strong attribute that emerging markets will have because, again, of that attraction. And, and of course, you know, with 400 basis points over U.S. Treasuries, so all in, the average yield is just under 5%. That's a very extract, attractive income proposition today, particularly given the issues that we have with income funds, uh, cash really being decimated uh, in terms of how do we boost our income and our yield. I think that's very, very important. And of course, the major, you know, the, that I tend to, to talk about a lot is the flows. You know, flows are very significantly negative for emerging markets through the COVID crisis. One would expect that. That's what happens when the economy takes down or risk assets tend to get sold. The uh, the higher risk tends to get sold more. So we saw massive outflows in emerging market bonds, both local as well as hard currency. Uh, that's since turned. 
you know, we're starting to see very strong flows, mainly in the hard currency, but very recently, Craig, as well, that local currency, that higher beta sector has actually started to gain a, a big share uh, of, of those flows as well. And this is a very momentum-based strategy. It's a very momentum-based asset class. And when those flows are positive, uh, year to date, by the sorry, year on year, they're still negative, by the way. So we still have some way to go to even get to where we were back in February, let alone, um, you know, the, the the support that that's going to offer this market. Paul, I'm, I'm reminded of a conversation you and I had uh, a month or so ago when you, you know, sort of highlighted this potential opportunity. You know, the, the opportunity set is quite large, but also the geographical coverage of the emerging debt space is also very large and some investors might highlight the challenges that they might see on the news or read about every day you know for example even recently we had the terrible news coming out of lebanon um, as a portfolio manager how do you reconcile those risks as an emerging debt investor it's a great question um you know things events like that happened in lebanon um came on the back of very weak fundamental prior to that uh, situation in Lebanon, which they're uh, currently in the process of renegotiating with their debtors, including the IMF, in terms of rescue package. There are multiple examples of Argentina, for example, Ecuador, Lebanon, uh, Egypt, um, all that are in renegotiation over debt packages. There are always issues with emerging markets. There's no doubt about that. And I think what's very important is to be able to differentiate between regions and countries. So active management is very, very key. The one thing, though, however, even though we have these debt negotiations that are ongoing, they can be positive and negative as well. But, you know, they are ongoing and they're always going to be a continuous aspect of emerging market and invest in emerging markets. The sentiment that we see towards emerging markets is very, very supportive. This global liquidity backdrop and these low yields in the developed world is going to continue to improve that sentiment for emerging market debt. Now, on top of that, we're actually seeing a period of a very weak US dollar. Uh, the euro also helps this in terms of being strong, but the weak dollar is, is the main factor. What that does, that actually reduces the risks on the external front, particularly in some of the higher yielding emerging market economies. So add on top of that, the rebounds that we're seeing in manufacturing PMIs across the EM space illustrates that the fundamentals should play a bigger role going forward. It's not just liquidity and it's not just a, an attractive yield perspective, but that fundamental growth story is actually starting to show green shoots as well. So from our perspective, emerging market investing is always long-term. I think one investor, you know, as investors, we all need to understand what our long-term aim is with emerging markets. But right now at 400 bips over, basis points over, 5% uh, all in yield, we think it's a very attractive space to, to start to put allocations to. I think the growth conditions are starting to pick up. Uh, the backdrop remains quite attractive. And of course, that active management and country selection will remain paramount, but it's a very attractive asset class going forward. And one of the things you reminded me of last time as well, Paul, is the power of diversification in this space. Like diversification really plays a role here. And by virtue of having such a broad uh, set of um, investments to get a, a hold of here, that diversification has a real place in the portfolio construction. Still a fair comment? Absolutely. The, not all emerging markets are the same, as you know, Craig. Not all countries are the same. Even regions at the moment, we would favour Asia over LATAM right now. Um, you know, even in spite of uh, U.S. 
U.S.-China trade tensions, etc. But there, there are strong differentiations you can do, and diversification remains key. Absolutely. Well, let's get into that then. So, you know, to, to finish off the podcast, what are the opportunities that you are seeing in the emerging market debt space? Absolutely. In our view, uh, a good part of the recovery in EM sentiment so far can be attributed to that global liquidity backdrop. So as I mentioned, you know, the Fed, the ECB, that monetary stimulus that's being injected, add together that developed market fiscal stimulus that's being injected. That's a major driver. That's a major opportunity going forward for emerging market debt, just purely on a on a 400 basis point spread, and that's an all-in 5% yield. However, there's another major factor that's going on is really this weak dollar theme. So the weak dollar, what that means, that reduces the risks on the external front for many of the emerging markets, particularly those higher yielding emerging market economies. So it puts them in a much stronger indebtedness picture. Furthermore, we're actually seeing rebounds in manufacturing PMIs across the EM space. This is very, very key because this actually is the underlying linchpin of that EM growth. Of course, COVID will affect uh, a number of that service sector, but what we're seeing is really strong rebound and growth in the manufacturing PMIs, which will actually gives the indication that we're starting to see green shoots in order that fundamental growth to come back in emerging markets. And I think that is very exciting going forward. One needs to be able to differentiate. Not every uh, region is the same, let alone country is the same. You know, we tend to favor Asia versus Latam, uh, and China is obviously our, our main pick within within that Asia space. But investors need to, to remain focused uh, on the aspect that it is a long-term investment, emerging markets. Uh, it's something that's, that's a little harder to time, but certainly given the attractive yield uh, and spread levels that we're seeing, we think the growth conditions and the technical and the valuations are given investors a very uh, attractive uh, opportunity set to enter this space. Thanks, Paul. It's a fascinating subject, and I can I honestly say I could talk to you all afternoon on this particular topic. But thank you for sharing your insights today. And if you pardon the very poor pun here, an emerging opportunity which COVID is creating for our institutional investors. If you'd like more information on what we were discussing today, please reach out to your QIC relationship manager. Thank you for listening to us today and have a super day ahead.